Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. So happy to have you with us here. Uh, we have been coming off of a wonderful conference. It was great. So many folks gathered here and it was just over the top. God's blessing and kindness and the fellowship and the singing and the word that was preached. It was a great time. If you were unable to join us for that conference, you can actually still tap into the live stream. To do so, you join our Founders Alliance membership and you can do that by going to founders.org, getting more information about that. Big thank you to those who are a part of the fam. And if you're interested in joining the fam, know that you're, we got some sweet new Founders Alliance member merch. What so is that? I, I'm drinking out of a uh, special cup here and it is only available to Founders Alliance members, possibly only to certain level Founders Alliance members. So if you get on uh, the founders.org, you'll figure out, you know, which level you need to get this cup, but it keeps my coffee nice and warm. I'll take your word for it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not available to the president of Founders Ministries, but I'm glad that it is available to those who are part of the fam. That's good. You got to talk to your daughter about getting hooked up with some fam merch, man. I know, man. I know. Um, so uh, a lot of things that we want to get into today, but before we do, we want to talk a little bit about an update on Vody Bauckham. We want to talk a little yeah. bit about the Institute of Public Theology, and then we're going to show, um, we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about a Jezebelian intersection <laughs> between the Texas Tom Buck and the Washington Post and kind of demonstrate why we need public theology. Yeah, the subtitle, Why We Need Public Theology and the Institute of Public Theology. Yeah, well, so many people have uh, rallied around Vody Bauckham, and praise God for that. You know, Vody made it public last week, I think on Friday that uh, he was undergoing what he called the, the most difficult mm -hmm. time in his life, darkest time, most difficult path because of heart failure. When, when he was here with us at the Founders Conference, you know, he just seemed really tired, but he was uh, in the tail end of a winter tour where he'd been preaching for several days. And then we worked him hard here. You know, mm -hmm. he did a lot. He just didn't have much downtime while he was with us. And Sunday preached at our church and then immediately took off. I think he went to Virginia and had some responsibilities up there before he went back to Zambia. And uh, he had just buried his mother-in-law. Bridget's mom had died in December in Dallas. So they were back and forth from Dallas. He got back to Zambia a few days, turned around, came back to the United States. Is here. He goes back to Zambia and he's feeling horrible. So when he landed in Zambia, he talked to his family doctor who had him come in immediately, did some tests, and they discovered some real serious problems with his heart. Um, and began a process of trying to get him ready to come back to the United States. He had to be uh, actually put in the hospital, I think, for a little while to stabilize him there and made his plans to come to the United States and uh, gets out of Lusaka to Johannesburg and his flight gets canceled in Johannesburg because of this uh, massive weather event we're having in the mm -hmm. United States. And so he was supposed to fly in ultimately to Dallas and the Dallas airport was shut down for a while. So his connecting flights got canceled. So he's stuck in Johannesburg, feeling poorly, you know, can barely walk. I talked to him on the phone. He just sounded really, really weak, and he, he was weak. Um, and, and, but in God's providence, in God's providence, uh, we've just seen people rally around. Where you know, I, I've talked to more people than I can remember on Saturday who've offered help, and with this uh, GoFundMe, uh, account that was set up. People from all over the world have contributed to that. I've had doctors from all over the world contact me mm -hmm. saying, we will help. You know, we'll meet him at the airport. If you can get to Dubai, we'll meet him at the airport. If you can get to these cities, uh, we offer our services to him. And he's been hooked up with some really good doctors now. And, and uh, one uh, world-renowned heart center is uh, willing to take his case if he can get there. 
a lot of expenses involved, a lot of unknowns. Of course, many people may not know, but Vody's got chronic kidney disease as well that he's been fighting now for many, many years. So thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the support for Vody. Uh, we'll try to keep you updated through our founders' uh, media and uh, social media outlets. Uh, you know, Vody is a founding faculty member of the Institute of Public Theology. Mm-hmm. He's a board member for Founders Ministries, and he's just a dear friend yep. of this ministry. So thank you for all of you who have prayed and supported. Yeah, and I would encourage folks to continue to pray. Obviously, we've been saying that a lot over the last couple of days, and we had a wonderful time of prayer at our own church here uh, just last night for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, God richly blessed that, and we love our brother. So intercede for him. There's a GoFundMe that has been established, and praise God for all the people that have given to that. It's just remarkable to see saints all over the place that are giving to uh, support the Bauckham family during this time. And so we'll link to that in the show notes yeah. and uh, people can hear. Yeah. So, and I want, you know, folks have asked about that and, and nobody knows, I mean, but there's, he's serious. It's a serious situation as we are recording this. He is hopefully in just like an hour or two out from landing in Dallas on Monday. And then God willing, when this releases on Tuesday, the, uh, he, he should be in Mississippi, which is where the first round of his medical care will take place. And if that goes well, then he'll be transferred to uh, another center. And um, I've talked to uh, uh, one doctor and to others involved in the medical care process, and it's a steep hill that he has to climb. Uh, but God is with him, uh, communicated with him just a few about an hour ago, and he said he's feeling well. Um, he's very, very weak. But he's, he's overall on, on the airplane, actually, was feeling well. So praise God for that. Amen. Pray for Vody. Pray for Bridget. Pray for the children. And, um, you know, one of the reasons to pray for him is because he has been so used by God Amen. in this present moment. The, the, uh, as a founding faculty of the Institute of Public Theology, he's there because he has not backed down from God's word and truths that need to be communicated and love. I'll never forget uh, the podcast we did with him and Dr. Tom Nettles. Yeah. Um, I think maybe this was maybe this was a different one with Vody. I think it was. It was just you, me, and Vody that we were doing a podcast. And I asked him about what needs to be done, kind of in the Christian leadership right now, over some of the meaning of the race issues, social justice issues. And he said, people, the leaders need to man up and love. Amen. And a part of that is looking to God's word and dealing uh, with. Uh, what is God has revealed and what's really going on around us, which is directly related to what we want to get into today about uh, the recent Jezebel issue with Tom Buck, uh, a pastor out in Texas, dear friend of ours, and um, the Washington Post, Kamala Harris, and then other (laughs) Southern Baptist leaders. we got all these people involved in this. Um, So kind of the the story goes, um, Tom Buck tweeted, um, <laughs> I wrote an article and I said Tom Buck was walking around with biblical thoughts and access to Twitter. That's what was going on. And uh, he tweeted back on January 22nd, 2021, these words, I can't imagine any truly God-fearing Israelite who would have wanted their daughters to view Jezebel as an inspirational role model because she was a woman in power. Mm. This is what Tom Buck tweets. That's pretty simple. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Who, pretty who, what Christian would disagree with that? Right. And so, what, but, but there, there, you know, there's going to be so many people, all kinds of people, Tom, and that's kind of the mess we need to get down into to discover. Well, let me ask my question again, emphasizing the right words. What Christian person <laughs> Would disagree with I that. I know it does. Is, what, it, what thinking Christian would disagree with that? This is the crossroads. So, so I I wrote a piece uh, recently on founders.org. You can access. It begins with the Jezebelian intersection, and because it really is a crossroads between the Christian 
and the non-Christian. It's a, it's a collision, and the name, the name of the intersection at which they collide is Jezebel, right? And, and the, the fundamental assumptions that people had when they came to what Tom Buck tweeted. So the Washington Post, or this um, arm of the Washington Post called Lily, um, and a woman, I believe her last name is Brannigan, wrote a whole piece about basically Tom Buck uh, being a racist and this is all what's going on and this is terrible and it's dangerous and in some dehumanizing even an incitement to violence kind of thing when you have um, you know the Washington Post totally misreading what Tom Buck as a pastor is doing and so the background of this is quite simple as pastors you're looking at what's going on what's happening there's there's a huge push I mean influential huge discipleship process that is presenting Kamala Harris as a role model to people you know I mentioned to you recently uh, there's a uh, somewhere I saw a picture of Kamala walking and then her shadow if you cast her shadow it's this little sweet girl you know and it's like okay well what's happening follow Kamala right as she follows whatever but we know it's not follow Kamala as she follows Christ because as Jezebel was a woman with power, great power, great civil power that used it to murder people, if you go back and read the Bible. So Kamala is a woman with great power, and she has used that power to advance the murder and the slaughter of children in this land. Abortion has taken over 60 million souls in this, in this land, and Kamala thoroughly supports that whole movement with civil power. So the comparison that uh, Tom Buck is making here, that's just one way to say, yes, absolutely, there is a comparison here. Uh, but the response has been that Jezebel is a racist trope, and Tom Buck knew that it was, and this is an incitement from these Southern Baptists that are still racist, certain Southern Baptists that, you know, hate women, hate black people, and this is really what's going on. It's really incitement to violence. And then there has been some Christian response to that, or, or some people in the Southern Baptist world that have kind of stood up and said, well, this is unhelpful, and we at least need to be more sensitive, and saying that this kind of stuff is sinful, and we need to not be doing what's going on. So I think one of the reasons we need to address this as a public theology issue, it's obviously public, and there's huge theology, huge worldview going on at this intersection. Where are you going to stand? Are you going to, are you going to kind of brush this under the rug and say, oh, you know, Tom Boak tweeted something he shouldn't have tweeted, and I wish he really wouldn't have done that? Or are we actually saying we need to contend for the truth and make sure that people do follow good godly examples and not poor ones? Yeah, it's been disappointing to see uh, some of the response from Christian leaders, uh, that, you know, making references to what Tom said without mentioning Tom, uh, retweeting articles where Tom is mentioned and in a bad way where the secularists are writing with a secular point of view or uh, publicly like Dwight McKissick has done where he just took Tom on and said, you know, this is horrible. This is racist. Every black uh, person knows this. And I've talked to multiple uh, black pastors and others who said, we never heard this. We didn't know this was a racist trope. Where did this idea come from? And what's really interesting and I think does provide a little snapshot in is that as Dwight McKissick is protesting this it was discovered that five years ago he wrote an article on SBC Voices in which he compares a lesbian bishop to a uh, to Jezebel. So he, he, he did the same thing five years ago, mm -hmm. but the political climate wasn't what it is today. So he could get away with it. And now, you know, they're saying, well, it's not the same. It's very much the same. Tom didn't call Kamala Harris Jezebel. He just made the statement that you read, which is an absolutely true statement. So what, what we're seeing with this, I mean, this does provide a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate just how far 
the new secular religion in America has infiltrated into Christianity. If, if you don't understand syncretism, then I would encourage mm-hmm. you to go study it mm-hmm. and look at what has happened historically when the Christian faith has been invaded by uh, pagan religions, whether you know those are animistic religions or other cultural uh, types of religious practices. Every time the Christian faith has been undermined, and that's exactly what's happening today. And what what is tragic to me is that our Christian leaders either don't see it or don't care. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, this is serious. This is, I don't know if there's a lack of courage, lack of theology, or a lack of integrity. But whatever it is, the, the uh, bills are coming due mm-hmm. on these Christian leaders and the things they are leading. And God's people need to stand up and say, you know what? We're either going to be Christians who follow the Bible, or we're just going to give it all over and turn over uh, all of our institutions and all of our uh, engagements biblically to the world. Right. You know, the three that you laid out there, um, a lack of theology, lack of integrity, a lack of courage, it can easily be all three Mm -hmm. for certain people. And I think it can be one or two uh, for for other people. And the, the theology, so Institute of Public Theology, is to take an issue just like this one that people say, I'm not getting into that. I don't want to. I don't want to be called a racist to Tom Buck. Let me just kind of, you know, pull my skirt away from Tom Buck. Tom Buck, or you know, even if you're like texting Tom Buck privately, which a lot of people are doing, and saying, <laughs> "Yeah, we totally stand with you. We know what you meant. We know you didn't mean these things, right?" And so you stand with him privately, but then publicly, you're like, oh. publicly, yeah. You, well, one, that's terrible if you're that way publicly, or at least you're just silent publicly and just kind of let Tom do his thing. But to say no, we actually have a moment here to present. Christian truth in love. Um, you know, when I wrote my piece at Founders, uh, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't really to vindicate Tom Buck. I mean, I'm happy to do that. But I'm also saying, I I love Kamala Harris. And is it Jake Tapper for CNN yeah. that retweeted the article and this Ann Brannigan? I looked into a little bit of their thought and I thought, I love these people. I love them as people who are totally confused, who are bought into another ideology mm-hmm. that that comes to a Christian pastor, a warning flock, and saying, well, this must be, this is some full-fledged kind of racism stuff that's going on. There's huge theology that is underneath all of that. One of the things, one of the dangers with our Christian leaders, one of the reasons men aren't standing up and speaking the truth is because of how quickly they're being shamed by the world. Right. And we kind of look back on the ways that the apostles and our Lord himself stood up and they were publicly shamed. And we think that, you know, they did it and there was absolutely no public sense that these men actually were wicked, mm-hmm. right? But that's totally what was going on. They, they were shaming our Christ. And there were a ton of people in the public square that thought he had done shameful things. Mm -hmm. And then the apostles, when they were shamed and persecuted and troubled, there were tons of people in the public square that thought they had done shameful things. And so what's, what's been leveled against Buck here is that he used this racist trope and how dare he, and what we need to learn, what what some of these Christians want to say, what we need to learn is to not use that. We shouldn't use that. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is the Apostle John in the book of Revelation and Jesus, our very Lord, used Jezebel. Yeah. They, so if you're not familiar with the story of Jezebel, you have to go back to the Old Testament. 
and you have dealings with Elijah many, 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 many years before the Apostle John is dealing in Thyatira and he's in the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. And so the, our Lord himself is going back and using that woman Jezebel, the historical figure, to apply to a present day situation for them. Now, she was a woman in power. Now, were there not women there in the day of the Apostle John that would have taken offense to it? Were there not people, were there not women who had been abused and harmed? And so to use that woman Jezebel, you see, the, you're talking about something our Lord himself did. You're talking about something the Apostle John did. And yet we in our day would say, well, we're not going to use the very same character that Jesus Christ used because of our current culture. We're going to begin to lay down scriptural resources. Yeah. It's one of the funny things to me, funny, tragic, is to hear people say, you know, well, Tom Buck in doing that, he has not been very Christ-like. And I want to say, you know, Jesus was pretty Christ-like, and he did it. I mean, Jesus took this woman and addressed the woman in Thyatira, whose name probably was not Jezebel, but he said, you've got that prophetess Jezebel mm -hmm. among you. He's comparing it to the exact uh, person that you referred to that was married to Ahab. In fact, a little uh, uh, plug here. R.G. Lee preached a famous sermon multiple times called Payday Someday on this. <laughs> we need to link to it. And uh, you need to listen to that, man. It's a great sermon. And he, he paints it properly. This woman was wicked. And you cannot honor Christ if you're not willing to say that mm -hmm. at times when it needs to be said. As I've tried to assess this, it, it just it grieves me. You pointed out, you know, that you love these people. And if, if we love these folks who have bought into wrong religions, mm -hmm. they're going to hell. Kamala Harris is going to hell without Christ. Mm -hmm. And she thinks she's doing well. This Brannigan is going to hell. Jake Tapper is going to hell if they think what they're promoting is actually right, good, and true. And if we love them, then don't we, don't, don't we want to try to keep them from going to hell? Don't we want to tell them the truth? Well, yeah, that's the gospel. Well, if we love God, aren't we going to be concerned when his word is being trampled under, when his law is being violated? Aren't we going to have some sense of Jeremiah and David who wept because people did not keep God's commandments. And so what we have here is a, a wonderful illustration by all these Christian leaders who seem to think that, you know, the second great commandment is you shall be nice and you shall try to make everybody like you. And, yeah. and you know, don't, don't be offended when sinners sin because that's what sinners do. I mean, that's, the, that's one of the most foolish arguments uh, against Tom Buck and what he's done that I've heard yet. Do you love God's law? Do you love God's gospel? His law's being trampled. His gospel's being obliterated. Yep. And you're trying to be nice. And you're upset with somebody who's quoting scripture and citing what Jesus cited about the wickedness of a leader in our nation. Yeah. And Jezebel worshiped Baal. Her prophets served mm -hmm. Baal. And Elijah wasn't very nice to the prophets of Baal. He, he was before or after he murdered them. Yeah, right. Like he he, he wasn't yeah. mocked their mocked them as they're cutting themselves. And so I'm not saying that every person listening to this podcast needs to be an Elijah-like figure that goes out and rebukes the false the false prophets and the false gods of our day. But don't allow people to morally posture on the internet and shame Tom Buck right. for actually calling attention to the false ideologies, the dangerous teachings of the day. Yeah, namely follow after, model your life after someone who is not following the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have, you have we don't have 
the courage and we don't have the doctrine that people don't see the error. So some, one of the things we need to do is help people see the doctrine, help people see that it really is a crossroads. One way that comes out, if you read Brannigan's article um, in the Washington Post slash Lily, you'll see her referring to experts. And she, she just, it's like <laughs> instinctively she refers to experts. And some of it feels a little bit like, you know, you've got to like at least show your work in a research. Who, who are the experts you're talking about? And she cited other people. And I don't know if she was referencing them. She didn't seem to be when she was saying the experts. The experts knew these things. They knew it was even dangerous what Tom Buck did. The experts actually knew that Tom Buck knew that it was a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I want that expert. That, like, that is, so, but, but this place, they write into what I'm trying to say, those experts are are, are starting. They're they're divine. Sure, they they are omniscient. They knew that Tom Buck there in Texas. They knew what he they knew what he knew. They knew what he was inside Tom Buck's heart in Texas. Namely, that he knew it was it was a racist trope. And then I asked Buck. Buck says there's not a single person that has called him <laughs> to investigate. Like you don't, don't have to. The Washington to. Post. They don't need you don't to. have to. First of all, he's a racist. He's in Texas and he's an SBC pastor. So we already know what he is he's yeah. a troglodyte we know what he is he's just but but okay so to back up from all of the apparent just stuff that kind of makes you laugh and cry at the same time that's an instinct you need a divine word you need and if you're not going to get it from yahweh then you're going to get it from somewhere you're you're go, we we need that kind of thing as human beings and so you get it from the experts it's just instinctive i'm going to the experts they have told me this is the case and we know it to be true that's a point of the crossroads you got tom buck who's got bible in him who's thinking this is what god has said and he he we, we believe in a divine word well so does this other new religion believes in a divine word but it's not actually coming from divinity it's not actually coming from god himself that's one one of many um ways to identify the doctrine going on underneath of the crossroads yeah and, and again i want to underscore the fact that we have seen many people who call themselves christians and many christian leaders who have just absolutely fumbled at this point because they have piled on Tom Buck and they have tried to shame him. They've tried to cancel him. They've tried to get him to back down and praise God. He hasn't backed down. And I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, are these people really not following Jesus or do they just not understand the ways of Jesus? And it could be the latter. Their experience could be better than their understanding. That's my hope. But when it comes to Christian leaders, I have less tolerance. I mean, a Christian leader who piled on to Tom Buck ought to repent. And if you're not sure, then just be quiet. You know, don't, don't say anything if you're just not sure. But don't come in and give ammunition to the enemy, who, th- those who are promoting this false religion. Yeah. And if, I, think, I think we just have to frame it this way. You, you and I have tried to do this. We have to keep framing it this way. What we're up against today is not just some kind of innocuous secularism. We're up against a pagan religion. And every time you cave into it, you are actually helping to promote that religion and undermine the true religion of the Bible. There's, I don't know, know any other way around this than to, to frame it like that so that we get clarity and know right. what we're up against. And the Christian leaders should have seen. Absolutely. So, so they not everybody have. would notice if you read Brannigan's article, because we hear this language a lot, experts. We've been listening mm-hmm. to experts for, you know, all, for a while now of this whole COVID thing. We're just used to the term, but think about what's going on with Brannigan and the Christian leaders should see that. And I don't, I, I think a lot of Christian leaders don't see it. I, I think too. some of them see it and they don't, they don't, they're lacking the courage and the integrity. 
some of them don't see it. Another, another place, and I, I'll, I'm asking, already asking, I want to continue to ask certain Christian leaders to to think about it, to read the Brandon article, think about what's going on. One of the things is she says that Tom Buck's language um, of relating this, of relating Kamala Harris to Jezebel dehumanizes her. It dehumanizes her. You know, well, again, from the Christian perspective, now I know you want to try to think of all the arguments she's trying to make, but you go, Jezebel was created in the image of God. Yeah, she, she's a human. You can have wicked people who are created in the image of God. This is like foundation, foundational anthropology. It's not like it's like your first level MDiv. I'm, I'm studying anthropology. Uh, okay, yep, even the wicked people in the Bible created in the image of God. Every, every human created in the image of God. And so comparing Kamala Harris to Jezebel cannot dehumanize Kamala Harris because Jezebel is, of course, a human. It, but what's going on in the anthropology of the other person? You you have to have more than just Imago Day to be human. And this is Carl Truman did a wonderful job about this in his recent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he showed that you need this, you need an you need to be able to express yourself and you need the society or the people to acknowledge you to if affirm, you don't affirm, affirm it. You. You've got to affirm my self-expression. And if you don't do that, you're dehumanizing. Yeah, you're actually doing violence. That's why we get all this, you know, silence is violence and speech is violence is because you are attacking this sense of self-constructed identity. And if you don't affirm that, then you are actually trying to murder me. Doing violence, which is exactly what the article, if you go read the WAPO slash Lily article from Ann Brennigan, it's exactly what they say. It is dangerous. This is an incitement to violence. So you have this anthropology that is contrary to Christ going on in the article. And what I want the Christian leaders to see, please, I hope they listen. This is not an attack on you as a Christian leader. This is saying, wake up Amen. and pay attention that this, this person is, is, is correcting Tom Buck from a vantage point that buys into a different word, a different revelation, and a different anthropology, and then, and then is wrong on ethical issues like what is really dangerous and what is really violent and what is not. And so you cannot come over and say, yeah, I'm with you. Shame on Tom Buck. Yeah. This, was, this was not loving. This was you can't do that. No, I mean, you've got to actually love people and actually hold to the Christian word. Yeah. And, and this argument that, well, you know, hey, don't be surprised when sinners sin. Really? Is that what we're going to say to rapists? Well, don't be surprised when rapists rape. Don't be surprised when murderers murder. No, look, God has given us his word. Mm -hmm. He's given us his law. He's given us his gospel. Rapists need to be converted. Murderers need to be converted. Those who promote and practice abortion need to be converted. Mm -hmm. Those who would buy into this whole ideology of you can construct your own identity regardless of what God's created you to be, they need to be converted. And so we don't sit back and say, well, you know, that's just what sinners do. Sinners sin. Don't be surprised when sinners sin. It's not a matter of being surprised. It's a matter of saying there's a God in heaven who created those sinners and who has told them how they must live. They have fallen short. He sent his son into the world for the very reason that sinners fall short. And through his son and only through his son can sinners who fall short of what God requires be reconciled to their creator and come to have forgiveness and new life. If we forget that and we don't see that needing to be applied in these kind of situations, then we really need to go back to school on the gospel of God and the law of God. Amen. Great commission. 
Great Commission. Are we supposed to make disciples of all nations and to teach them to observe all I have commanded? And is Kamala Harris and CNN and Jake and the retweet and, and, and Washington Post, are they exempt from that? Are these people exempt from that? Absolutely not. And what, one of the, another doctrinal error we have, some people are going to say, uh, they're, they're thinking, well, they're unbelievers. And, you know, like you say, unbelievers are going to sin. But they also think, I'm not going to hold unbelievers to the same standard I am Christian. <laughs> well, you, this is law. That's this right. is the issue of law. And, you know, we've got a book on law and gospel and start there but then really dive into this understand that god is the creator of all that has been made and his eternal moral law is binding upon all peoples even if they're not christians and you need to be thinking that way as a christian so that you can identify otherwise you really do you just seclude yourself to the four walls of your church and that political thing over there that whole thing with with kamala Mm -hmm. harris and even articles you know it's 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 not relevant. Right. So I've got more. Another yeah. thing that another problem that we have that we need to address is this this thing where you've got certain Christian leaders that disagreed with what Tom Buck did, but didn't want to address it publicly. Yeah. That, yeah. So Tom Buck says something publicly and then we we want to kind of th- we we feel obligated to address it. And so we say something publicly that everybody knows is about Tom Buck, uh, but we don't use Tom Buck's name. Maybe we even retweet articles in which Tom Buck's name is like the in the first paragraph, but we don't mention Tom Buck's name in the tweet. Yeah. And so we're clear of, of any kind of direct ad- addressing of Tom Buck, but we're actually still doing it. And we kind of think we're doing that in the name of preserving the Christian community before the eyes of a watching world. But what it really does is provides all sorts of kind of political maneuvering, moral posturing and off ramps to not have, not to actually address what happened. That is not the way that Christians have dealt for 2000 years in the world. When there is a disagreement, if it's a public disagreement, um, then address it publicly and honestly. Yeah. And that's again, why an Institute on public theology for this very reason, you know, this subjective pietism, that says, oh, okay, you know, over here inside the four walls of the church, then we'll do this. We'll preach God's law. We'll preach God's gospel. But when it comes to the public square, no, we got to be nice. We got to let people um, like us do what we can to make sure they like us. We're going to just say, you're, you know, sinners sin. So we're not going to be upset when sinners sin, but we're going to do this privately. And whenever privately you say, oh, yeah, man, you know, this is wrong or I agree, but publicly you go out and you give cover fire to the enemy and to those who are attacking the people of God who are trying to stand for God's word, um, you're playing on the wrong side. And I, I would just appeal to our Christian brothers and sisters to think about these things. I mean, this is one issue. We could multiply the issues because they're all around us. It's a target rich environment, unfortunately, in our day where these kind of things are misunderstood and, and addressed wrongly by Christians and too often even Christian leaders. Think rightly about this. Take God's law, take God's gospel, apply it to this situation of Tom Buck making a very appropriate biblical analogy to press the consciences of God's people not to follow this pagan Christian or this pagan uh, United States vice president in her wickedness. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, not saying anything about her value as an image bearer of God. We're talking about her wickedness and her policies, the things that she advocates, the things that she wants to see happen. Tom was right in calling attention to that. So think about that in terms of God's law, God's gospel, and try to come to clarity on that as we're trying to do in this conversation. And then ask yourself the question, what are our leaders doing? Are our leaders seeing this the right way? 
And if not, appeal to the Christian leaders who are supposed to be setting the pace for the rest of the church. And if they refuse to see it the right way, or if they don't see it the right way, you can help them, then praise God. If they see it the right way, but they refuse to address it, well, again, praise God, but they shouldn't be leading. You need people who will lead, who see it, and are willing to stand and say it. And it may just be time that we cry out to God and ask him to give us the kind of leadership that we desperately need in this day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very practical for the folks that listen to this. And I think many of our listeners are getting this and seeing this. Take this moment with the, with the Tom Buck intersection with the Washington post. It's <laughs> fascinating to me. Now. And think of it as a Jezebelian intersection. Imagine you're out, you're out, you're out West somewhere. You gotta be out there. Probably you gotta be somewhere near Texas and the land's flat. And there's a, there's an intersection it's called Jezebel and, and the Washington post just happened to be traveling they were lost traveling through this open landscape and the texas tom buck crossed and it was all over the issue of this word jezebel and some of our current realities with kamala harris go go look at tom buck's tweet practical way to do exactly what tom askel just committed to you Uh, go look at tom buck's tweet Go read this article um, that we'll link to in the show notes here that's linked to in the article I wrote at founders.org. Read Ann Brannigan's article, the Washington Post, the Lilly article, and her assessment of Tom Buck. And think about her her presuppositions as she's assessing what Tom Buck did. Um, Go to founders.org. Read this piece I wrote that tries to spell out what's going on. And then look at some of the fallout that is cited in that article and other places in ways that people are assessing this crossroads. And then if, if you want to dive deeper into this, Tom and I just wrote this book, strong and courageous. And this is the, what it means to follow Jesus amid the rise of America's new religion. We're, we're passionate about this. We're trying to detail that new religion so people can see it. So pastors can be equipped to lead God's people through the rise of this secular, secular ideology that's actually turning into a religious commitment. So there's a, there's an on ramp for you. And I would encourage all of you to try to get as deep into this as you can and uh, be ready to face the things that are coming down the pipe for us here. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Press on. Do not grow weary in doing good, knowing that you will reap if you don't give up.